Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Welcome to the Luck on Sunday podcast, a weekly audio digest of all the best bits of Luck on Sunday, free to air every Sunday from nine o'clock that brings you the best guests and insight from around the racing world. And if ever there was evidence of sport's ability to inspire its restorative effect on the soul, it came with Paisley Park's thrilling, stirring victory at Ascot yesterday in the Porsche Long Walk Hurdle over Time Hill and Roxana. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that great handsome horse in the flesh later on this morning. Now, the key news as regards the Prime Minister's press conference last night as regards horse racing is that racing will continue in the same way that it did in the previous lockdown. So under the same measures, that is to say, behind closed doors, no fans and a very limited capacity of owners to 45. And the British Horse Racing Authority has asked everyone in the sport to remain as vigilant and as adherent as possible to the government guidelines in order that that situation should continue. A government official confirmed to the BHA that Tier 4 is equivalent to those restrictions in the second lockdown in November, continuing behind closed doors, a limited attendance to 45 on the course at any point. Owners that do attend must comply with the BHA's protocols as well as national guidance, and that includes the movement between tiers and satisfy themselves that their travel to a race meeting is legitimately linked to their business involvement in British racing. Each individual race course will provide information specific to their events, which owners are asked to check before attending. All those attending racing behind closed doors, including participants, are asked to note the government's latest statements about the risks of virus transmission and ensure they continue to follow racing's protocols. The BHA and racecourses will continue to liaise with government, Public Health England and local safety advisory groups and keep the situation under review. We will share any further relevant details as and when we have them. I asked a couple of supplementary questions to representatives from the BHA last night. I asked them whether this would affect international participants at meetings upcoming, particularly over the Christmas period, horses coming from Ireland. They said not. They still anticipated runners from Ireland being absolutely fine. I also asked about local public health authorities, and it was confirmed to me that each local public health authority still has to give its ultimate approval to each race meeting going ahead. So there may be difficulties ahead in that regard, but there haven't been significant difficulties up to this point as regards what the local public health authorities say. Incidentally, uh, on uh, Sky News this morning on Ridge on Sunday, Matt Hancock, the uh, Secretary of State for Health and Social Care, has confirmed that most areas in Tier 4 will stay in Tier 4 until the rollout of a vaccine. So we could be in this situation for some considerable time. But at the moment, horse racing, relative to many other areas of life, is uh, relatively unaffected and can count itself extremely fortunate. It may count itself yet more fortunate later today because Holly Doyle is shortening all the time in her, <laughs> in her bid to be BBC Sports Personality of the Year. All the best, Holly. 
And because our studio here is in Tier 4, that means Holly is my only guest in the studio today. Cornelius Lysett, however, is joining me from his home. Uh, Cornelius, good morning. Morning, morning to you, Nick. Important point you just made about uh, in relation to some horse racing needs to needs to be sort of grateful and humble that uh, that although things aren't as good as they might be and betting shops uh, are closed and there is a subsequent revenue relevance in, in, from that point of view and attempts by racecourses to rebuild their business, uh, crowds no longer uh, allowed in in the same way. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is that I'm talking to you from part of the English South Midlands where the infection rate is well below the average and pubs, restaurants, uh, bars, most hotels have been closed except for takeaways in some cases since the 5th of November. So from a racing's point of view, of course it's disappointing there won't be crowds on King George Day, there won't be crowds this year at the Welsh Grand National. Uh, there'll be other restrictions as well. But, but equally, I think racing needs to be just grateful and humble that things, though not as good as, they, uh, as everyone would like, are not perhaps as bad as uh, for some other people. And we've made mention of this before, but it's worth mentioning again. If there hadn't been that biosecure environment that was painstakingly crafted and created back in June, to some people's amusement, in fairness, it has to be said then, then we wouldn't be in the position that we're in now. I think when racing reflects on, on the COVID year, it will clearly reflect on various different aspects. Uh, but uh, one thing it clearly did a good job on was getting the show back on the road to, to a large extent uh, or to a considerable extent on the 1st of June, jump racing not uh, returning not uh, a, a million years after that. So th those were two good things. Racing, uh, I think the participants, and I was certainly one of those, were frustrated. We weren't getting that much information. Uh, we couldn't quite see what the, what the strategy in getting the show back on the road was. But clearly... Uh, the British Horse Racing Authority and its associates and its relationship with Westminster did pay off to an extent because racing has been back since the 1st of June and other sports took some time to, to get back. And I think it's acknowledged that what racing established and uh, Jerry Hill has uh, received many plaudits for this. Uh, and uh, I think it was striking that the Horse Race Writers and Photographers Association, which can be rather cynical on these occasions, gave a special award to him for his work uh, this year. Um, that uh, the, the fact is that was, to a large extent, pioneering work and other sports were watching racing and then were happy to, uh, to, to, to an extent, follow in its coattails, on its coattails. And, and so, so many of you ha will have been affected by this over the next few days. So many people wanting to see relatives, often elderly relatives who may be living on their own or far away and unable to do that. It's going to be unimaginably hard for, for so many of you, but most important that all of us stay as, as safe as we possibly can and that this virus and the new variant of this virus isn't spread. What people don't want to see, Cornelius, is, is people in pursuits that are allowed to continue bending the rules or, or bending the law. They, that's why it's so crucial that racing is, is not just seen to be you know, absolutely um, doing the right thing, but, but doing the right thing. Well, quite. You know, being being seen to do the right thing is one thing, but uh, you know, it's it's a moral thing, isn't it? Yeah, R racing has established its uh, its position, its moral position, if you like, in all this over the last few months, and it needs to sustain that. So you're you're absolutely right. No no bending of rules. Where there is a rail there, 
or uh, where there is an official saying, please, you know, that's that zone, this is this zone uh, on the race course, then people have got to stick to those uh, protocols. Uh, and uh, I, I haven't, to be fair, in recent weeks, I haven't seen many examples uh, of people saying, oh, there's a rail in the way. I'm just going to get move this rail so I can do this interview or whatever. That doesn't really hasn't really been happening. And photographers have been more relaxed about taking photographs of horses because there haven't been uh, people without masks in the background. So I, I think racing has demonstrated its responsibility in recent weeks, but it must keep that up. And the, the other thing is, you know, racing can continue in tier two and Hereford now in tier one. And Hereford's been the subject of all sorts of dramas in recent years, a closure, a reopening, you know, lots of doubt about its future. But the fact is, it can have 4,000 people on, on January the 2nd under the current regulations, it would seem. Uh, so, um, you know, Hereford must, must do that. It must uh, work, work on, its, uh, on the business side of it. But no one wants to be triumphalist about it. You know, just get on with it. Let those people who are going to come enjoy themselves. And obviously there are travel restrictions very much in place. So one imagines that, say, Hereford, or, and I reckon it's going to be Fontwell, Market Raisin and Wincanton in the UK of the eight race meetings on Boxing Day that can probably welcome a crowd. You know, get, get people in. It'll be a local crowd and start uh, working away quietly and efficiently on re-establishing those places as part of the community, whether it's uh, in Herefordshire, Sussex, Market Raisin in Lincolnshire or, or Wincanton in Somerset. Let's hope the weather doesn't go and mess, mess things up for those particular tracks. But there's still a long way to go. But still, there are, there are brighter bits to, to cling on to as well. Well, one race course that is most definitively in Tier 4 is Kempton Park in Sunbury-upon-Thames, part of Spelthorne Borough Council. Simon Durrant is the manager of Kempton Park and joins me on the line now. Good morning, Simon. Morning, Nick. How are you? Obviously a, a big disappointment for you, but you knew when you went into Tier 3 that you were going to be unable to, to take crowds over Christmas. How do you feel about, about staging the race meeting at all? It was hugely disappointing at the beginning of the week when we learned that Tier 3 was going to come into operation and that we'd be running behind closed doors. Um, we were obviously one of the first courses that welcomed spectators back on that 2nd of December meeting. And having that atmosphere there was brilliant to have back, but sadly not meant to be um, next weekend. Clearly, it's an important, important fixture, uh, and we're keen to, to put on two fantastic days of high-quality racing still. In terms of your own finances, catering for a, a heavily reduced crowd on the 26th and 27th brought with it its own issues. Are, are you actually going to be better off financially having nobody there at all? Commercially, it, there's a lot of people involved in the industry. This isn't just about the local race course. So I think the most important thing is that we're able to stage those two days of racing um, and put on those two great days that people can watch from the comfort of their own armchair um, and, and be able to enjoy racing at its very best. So I think it's more about the industry as opposed to the local race course itself. But it, but it is the case that, that you, it might actually not be the worst thing in terms of the, in terms of the bottom line. I, I understand that, Nick. I think you've got a valid point there, yes. And, and just in terms of what you now want from, from the meeting, Simon, what you, what you want people to see, what are you, what are you most looking forward to, to conveying to, to, to people watching on at home? I think the most important thing is that we have raced under lockdown rules before and that we know that we can continue to work behind closed doors. And that's a huge testament to, to all the people in the sport in making it safe for everyone involved. So that's the first thing that we really need to convey to, to um, supporters and spectators at home. But secondly, 
we've got an industry that's had a tough year. And so to be able to put on two great days of top quality racing, going to be really key. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel Dubai. Well, we know what sort of a year it's been, but even 2020 couldn't stop Aidan O'Brien. It's Love who's clear, she's well clear as they race to the line. Three or four left victory for Love in the Kipco 1000 Guinness. right away, galloping clear in tremendous style to win the Oaks. He's made it all, he's out clear all the way, in six or seven lengths still, and serpentine for a remarkable win in the Investec Derby. As they head inside the final furlong, it's St Mark's Basilica under Frankie leading Wembley, pressing then came Thunder Moon, it's St Mark's Basilica though to win the Dewhurst. Roll up, roll up, it's Magic Hellum on her side, who's trying to exact revenge on Gaia. And Aidan joins me now live from Ballydoyle. Aidan, good morning. Hey, good morning, Nick. How are you? I'm very well. Uh, just looking back at that highlights reel there, 2020 for you must have been slightly surreal, mustn't it? Sort of watching on most of those races from, from home. Yeah, I suppose it was, it was uh, different. Uh, uh, um, absolutely, Nick. Um, I suppose it was great that there was racing on, uh, I, I suppose. So really, um, we were very happy to stay home and watch it from home. But um, we have a great team of people and uh, everybody uh, did a great job. And um, I know, it, like, like I say, it was great for everybody that, that racing was held, really. When the pandemic really started to grip in, in sort of February, March time, and you knew that things were, were, were changing quite rapidly... How did you have to react? How did it change your, your regime as you're really starting to, to step up the work with some of these, these good horses? Yeah, so I suppose it was um, a little bit strange, all right. We, 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 we carried on as normal, um, um, hoping that the guineas and, and all those races would be on at the same time. Um, so we stuck to our own regime, and I suppose instead of racing them, um, we gave them uh, days away around that time, and uh, we kind of just had to wait. Um, we didn't panic too much. Um, we just kind of stayed in, the, in as much of a rhythm as we could. It was a little bit strange, a little bit different, and I suppose some horses found it different, and some suited and some it didn't suit, you know. So I suppose we just we played it by ear, really. I, a lot of people you know, have, have felt, quite restricted during the course of the year and they've, they've been in, in bubbles. I suppose, in a sense, you're, you're, so, you're so wed to, to Bally Doyle that it is, it is a little bit of a bubble in, it, in, it, in its own right anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, we would have been always um, a very biosecurity conscious here in every way. Um, virus is what was always our main danger in, in keeping the horses healthy and everyone would have been always very much that way, uh, changing their clothes before and come from different yards or whatever, everything was always very biosecurity. So uh, I suppose it, and, and like you said, like it is, uh, we're in a little bit of a bubble here. We don't move out that much and, uh, and it's, it's kind of a fairly controlled environment uh, usually, Nick. I mean, did it, did it tax you or, or were, you, were you just determined just to stay as, as relaxed as you possibly could? 
in those in those early weeks when sort of plans were flying left, right, and centre? Were you just trying as hard as you possibly could to just to keep it keep it nice and calm? Yeah, I think I think that was it exactly. There was no pressure from anybody, and and uh, that's all we could really do is, is just stay relaxed and play it by ear and and uh, take it week by week really. Um, and to try stay in as, as much of a rhythm as we could uh, with the horses and, and with everybody else, I suppose, too, really. I mean, do you think, if you, when you look back on the season as a whole and you look at the horses who've done well and the horses who've done perhaps less well than, than you'd expected, do you think there have been any that have really been beneficiaries of the season being different or, or horses that might have done better had it, had it worked out traditionally? Are there, are there sort of winners and losers from, from this, do you think? Yeah, I think there always is, but it's very hard to know that, really. Uh, and, and really, uh, you're training horses kind of week by week, really day by day, and seeing what's happening, what, what they're changing. And like some, some will, uh, like maybe when we get into next year and look back at this year, then we'll have an idea, did that suit or did it not? Uh, when we go back into a normal programme, I suppose, it, it's very hard to say, really, um, uh, um, like whether it suits them or not. And, and uh, um, we kind of always... The only time we'd ever look back is kind of look back and see what, what we did the year before, if something went wrong or, or something was good, and if we changed anything the following year, if, if you know what I mean. And just, just looking at the most recent success, Aidan, Mogul was a brilliant winner last weekend in, in Hong Kong. Yeah, he, I guess, is an example of a horse who's, who's had to sort of duck and dive a little bit this year because of the late start, and you were saying he's a hard horse to get fit. If you'd, if you'd started him, say, in... March, April, and got a couple of runs into him. He might have been a he might have been a Derby winner come come the end of June. Yeah, I think so. Nick. Like I suppose it, it ideally didn't suit him. Maybe when you look at it, we we had planned on getting two runs into him before the Derby. Um, like obviously that just wasn't to be, and it was everything was a little bit forced and a little bit rushed with him. Um, he's a big, powerful, strong horse, and we knew that he would take racing. And as the season went on, that proved so the more racing he got the better he got so you could say it didn't suit him um, but listen at the same time it suited others um, and, and he did come like we did get him there at the end so um, yeah it's, it's, it, it's very hard to say really what suits or doesn't suit until you look back from the year gone by if you, if you know what I mean because you could do what you think suits and it mightn't suit at all really. I mean I'll come back to him in a minute but obviously yeah, he may not have been quite ready for, for Epsom. One horse who definitely was was Serpentine. Lee Motter says he's done a brilliant piece in the Racing Post today, sort of charting everyone's views and thoughts on that day and, and what was a, a helter-skelter and, and a pretty weird derby to watch. When, when you were watching it, what, what were you thinking sort of midway through the race? I, su- I suppose we were very happy uh, where Emmett had him. Emmett gave him a great ride. Um, he, he, he was tactically very aware, he was very strong at the finish and he was very focused and he got his fractions absolutely spot on. Um, I, I suppose we were very happy all the way. When he broke and he got the position he was in, he, he's a very relaxed horse. Uh, he, he doesn't over-race, he, he stays very well, very uncomplicated and very balanced. So I, I suppose, uh, listen, after going a furlong, we were very happy where <laughs> Emmett was because we knew that... Uh, we knew the pace was going to be even, so that was going to suit the rest of the horses. And, and uh, we knew um, if Emmett's horse was good enough, he, he had him in a good enough position. And he, he did everything absolutely 100%, like he, he executed it to perfection, really. Uh, Emmett said to me after the race in the interview, he said, Aidan told me, go out there, you can win the derby. Uh, is, that the sort of, is that the sort of message you give to all the jockeys to try and get them revved up before the race? Or did you have a particular feeling for this horse? Did you have a, a particular gut instinct that he could actually run 
like off his face, basically. Uh, yeah, well, uh, like obviously, uh, uh, Nick, um, I suppose every horse that runs in a race, we don't ever run them unless we could see uh, some case of circumstances uh, that that horse could win the race. And then what we would do after that, then we would um, discuss what tactics suit each horse and to uh, and to uh, uh, try and, and, and uh, execute that. I, I suppose, really, for us, we like to have horses that like to be ridden handy. And if we have a few in it, it's great to have something that likes to be ridden mid-division and then something maybe out the back because you, you have um, chance, uh, whatever way the race goes tactically then. Um, obviously, he was a very well-bred horse. He, he he won his maiden, I think, nine or ten lengths. Uh, his last run at the Coran, like he galloped through the line and and uh, went right down to the boards with uh, weighing on him. So we 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 did believe that it could happen. Um, and uh, like Emmett, um, like has a great brain. He's a very intelligent fella, and he knew and he 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 knew that it could happen. Obviously, um, like if if it went his way, but like obviously in racing. So much happens in a race that you can't control. That that um, so much happens in a race that you can't control. Um, listen, most of the time it, it doesn't go the, the way you really want it, but it does happen sometimes. And and uh, listen, he had to be a good horse to do what he did. It was an even pace, and and like he he really ran through the line, Nick. You know, so um, I suppose everyone did believe that could happen, and and we wouldn't have been running him there. If not, uh, like obviously we would have discussed it with the lads before, and then everyone would have made the decision. Listen, we would let him run and and uh, see what was going to happen. Like he's a homebred, uh, top and bottom. Um, so no, it was great. I, I'm really, I, I was interested in what you said there that you like, you know, you like to cover the bases tactically when you've got all these runners in races. So you'd always, you know, you'd want a couple of front runners, you'd want maybe a couple of stalkers and and a couple of closers as well. But if you turned up with a bunch of horses who all roughly had the same profile, they were all really strong gallopers, they were all likely to be really strong stayers, would you alter some of their games just so you could cover those bases? Well, how, how, would, you, how would you play that? I find that quite interesting. No. Yeah, no, no, we wouldn't, uh, Nick. We would always do exactly what suits each horse. And sometimes you might look at a race and you might see a couple of hours going forward and going very fast. And sometimes when horses um, uh, like to be ridden handy, we don't change that. But because that can happen sometimes when a, a few take each other on up, up, up front, it can suit the ones at the back. But that wouldn't be intention, uh, intentionally ever. Um, like every horse would and every, every rider would have a set of instructions that they would think would suit their own horse. And if it, if it was um, playing against some of ours, so be it. But um, in, like in all those, those races, they're, they're running... Uh, to win if they can um, like obviously sometimes it doesn't work out and sometimes you look foolish after it and sometimes it does work out and, and it looks great but that's just the way it is uh, we, we train them all individually to try and give them the best chance um, to win the race we would know as much about them as we could from listening to the lads riding them and their pedigrees and and uh, what what their their brothers or their sisters or the mum and their dad like to do in races and all those things can come into the occasion uh, into the equation really. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. I'm going to check in with now with Nathan Horrocks, uh, director of Equine Productions, because Nathan is back in this country and he's been a busy man over the last couple of weeks. Nathan, hi. Let's talk about the fall, first of all, that you finished filming with Robert Bathurst last week. Yeah, that's right, Nick. Yeah, we, uh, we finished filming last week, uh, last Thursday, and uh, no, everything went great, really, uh, considering everything that's gone on uh, 
you know, with the announcement last night. So we were very, very lucky that we uh, got everything done in the, in the nick of time, really. Robert was a guest on the show a few weeks ago and was talking incredibly passionately about horses and the people that, that ride them and look after them. How was it to work with him? Amazing. I mean, his, uh, his enthusiasm for the sport is infectious, really. Um, you know, we're often uh, doing a lot of pre-production um, stuff through the uh, leading up to the fall, you know, going through the uh, script and, and, and all the production and... Uh, you know, it took us 20 minutes uh, to get his uh, enthusiasm of the racing uh, game out of the way before we, um, you know, before we even got down to the nitty gritty of doing uh, doing the film. And when can we look forward to seeing it? Uh, well, th this is the this is the problem at the moment, Nick. I'm I'm going to probably uh, t you know t take a bit of a hold on uh, on the release date because obviously COVID uh, is um, is is going to hinder us. And um, I'd like, you know, I'd, I want to see as, um, get as many people in front of the screen as possible. So um, there's no release date set yet, and uh, we're still going to be, uh, you know, going through all the editing process at the moment. So I, I fly back to America on Monday, and I'll be working with our editor uh, uh, Liam Dowler over the uh, over the New Year period, and uh, we'll hopefully have a release uh, date, you know, in in the future. I mean, is this the most satisfying project you've been involved with? Yes. Yeah, it's um, it's been a passion project of mine for about uh, two years, and uh, I wrote this script uh, a couple of years ago. And um, yeah, no, um, and it's I'm, I'm, I'm a, you know I'm very passionate about mental health, and in particular in in athletes, and uh, with us losing uh, a number of our um, you know comrades in in the sport over the last uh, last few years, and um, you know that kind of gave me the. Uh, you know, the drive to get it finished and actually do something with it. And um, if it wasn't for the likes of uh, Nigel Payne from the, um, from the Peter O'Sullivan Char Charitable Trust and the PGA and the Even Keel Foundation, uh, we wouldn't have been able to get this film made. So I'm really excited to uh, put this together and hopefully uh, make a difference and uh, bring some awareness to, uh, to mental health. Tell me about the Enable movie, which we're going to be able to watch this Christmas. Yeah, no, that's that's been an exciting project for us. It's been kind of a year in the making, really, uh, because obviously because of COVID, we weren't able to um, do do a lot of filming um, during that period. But lucky enough, we 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 captured a lot of her, um, you know, for, for Judmont because we've been working with Judmont for nearly five years, really, and it's been exciting working with those guys. And um, what we'd um, what would you know? What, what, what was exciting about it was uh, you know that Judmont you know, gave us gave us the reins to uh, you know to, to, to you know to show this the story of this amazing filly and um, uh, Kathy Stringer, who's uh, one of our one of our producers. She did an absolutely amazing job of uh, directing and producing this for us because obviously we were working on other projects at the time and uh, uh, and it was great that she could um, you know put put all of her time into uh, putting this together for Judmont and uh, getting it ready for. Uh, people to, uh, to, 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 to watch over the Christmas period. Um, unfortunately, it's only on DVD at the moment, but um, it will be uh, available to download on, um, on Amazon and other platforms uh, in the new year. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. I'm going to talk to, to two men that Cornelius knows well now, Jed O'Keefe and Niall Hannity, because I want to talk about the horse Burrow 7, so named 
to assist in the fundraising effort, the extraordinary fundraising effort of Rob Burrow, the Leeds Rhino star, who almost a year to the day, it was December the 19th, 2019, when it was publicly announced that Rob was suffering with motor neurone disease, which he is born with incredible fortitude and he's been a great inspiration to so many. And we are very much hoping that this horse, the beautifully bred Burrow 7, can be a bit of a star in his name and continue to raise funds. So Jed, first of all, is the man who is training Burrow 7. Jed, you, you must feel extremely honoured to be part of this, of this process uh, and, this, and this fundraising movement. Uh, yeah, good, good morning, Nick. Yeah, incredibly honoured yeah, and, and privileged and nice to be selected as the, as the training team um, to hopefully bring about some increased awareness of, of the disease and some extra support for the charity um, and, um, and, and hopefully some fun along the way. What sort of ability has the horse shown you so far? Well, plenty, but it's very early stage. So he's a, he's a, he's a big 16-2, uh, very well-built three-year-old uh, gelding who hasn't done a huge amount of work yet, um, but everything he's doing is coping with extremely easily, which is always a very, very good sign. Um, he's also blessed with the most amazing temperament, and he's an absolute pleasure to work with. I, I don't know Rob Burrow, but like everybody, I've been in incredibly moved by the spirit in which he has um, fought the last year, year and a half. Yes, I mean, he's been to the yard twice, uh, first time with his mum and dad, second time with his wife and, and son, um, and um, he is an amazing character. Obviously, he's not able to communicate very easily, but you can just see, um, you use the word fortitude, and that's, that's what he's full of, absolutely full of fortitude and determination. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's a remarkable character. And he said it, it was, I thought, incredibly humbly when he said he was very honoured to have the horse named, named after him. I think, that's, um, I think that's a measure of the man. Yeah, definitely very, very humble. Um, and obviously, we saw with um, the Kevin Sinfield marathons um, and the support that he got from, from Kevin and everybody else and everybody who's contributed, um, you know, in, in, in what regard he's held. I mean, Jed, you, you fought your own battle with, with, very, seri with very serious illness. And you know, I, I remember reading very clearly an interview with you with a few years ago where you articulated perhaps better than anyone else that, that, that sheer sense of desperation. Does that, does that give you some semblance of, uh, of empathy here? Yes, I think it does. I think it does. I think, I think one of the things when you're faced with um, adversity is, is having that st strength of character to fight. Um, Rob's definitely got that, um, and, um, uh, and, and that will stand him in very good stead, and, and I think that's probably why so many people are behind him. Well, another man who is, is behind this project is our own friend and colleague, Niall Hannity, who is a, an ambassador for the, for the Borough 7 project. Niall, hi. Hi, Nick. You OK? Yeah, lovely picture there of you we saw with the horse and, and Robert at, at Jed's yard. How did you get involved? Um, I, I was flattered to be asked a few weeks ago um, his friends and family got in touch with me um, which is a bit of a sort of shock um, just asked would I help sort of promote it um, obviously lots of um, rugby lads involved and they were looking a few more on the racing side so they got in touch with myself and, and Paul Hannigan as well Paul's quite into his rugby which is which is good I confess I'm, I'm not the biggest rugby fan but I've been bowled over. You know, Jed just mentioned a few seconds ago, Kevin Sinfield had done a seven marathons in, in seven days, and they were hoping to raise £77,000. And it really, everybody got behind it, and I think it's heading towards £3 million. So it was amazing. But you think that they might have just rested in their laurels there and 
and been happy with that. But like I left Haydock yesterday and Barry McDermott was in touch to sort of, obviously with COVID, etc. we can't plan that much, but they're, they're in for the long haul and, and trying to raise as much awareness for MND at the minute. There's no cure for MND and they're, they're really looking to you know, maybe next spring, summer with the horse and, and getting involved in racing a bit more and bringing the two sports together. And just tell people how they can get involved, Niall, because it, there are you can still take a share in this horse, can't you? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's um, it's very easy. I'd actually done it before I was asked to be an ambassador, and it's um, fifty nine pound one off payment to be a, a member of the horse. There's regular updates. There's a big pack when you when you, you get it all about the horse and all about Rob and um, what's happening, what's going on, what we're hoping to achieve going forward. So it's been a fantastic especially this time of year with COVID etc and a lot of us lazy people who don't really like going shopping it's made, made a really good Christmas present don't tell the Dixon brothers but I bought them a share each in it. <laughs> um, they, they haven't got enough horses so that's what I thought it, it makes it, yeah exactly so it, it makes a good present and we were up made myself and Paul Allingham went up um, during the week to, to visit Jed and, and Andrea and, and all of Jed and it was great to see the horse it was, it was fantastic Oh, well, no, thanks so much for chatting to us. Uh, have a very happy few days with, the, with, with your family. And, uh, and, Jed, best of luck with the horse. Thank you very much. Could I just take this opportunity to say thank you to everybody who's got involved and, and, and supported the charity through the, through the, with the horse. And, um, and it's great that they've managed to present to the MND charity already a cheque for 50000 um, And hopefully there'll be more to come. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Equiwell Dubai. Yesterday was one of those really special races. It was a truly, truly memorable occasion. How are you all feeling this morning? Uh, it, was, it was, as you say, it was a memorable race and it was, it was just a fantastic day. Um, uh, all feeling remarkably fine this morning. Um, sadly, our local pub is, is shut at the moment, so, um, so it, was a relatively, it was a relatively quiet night in. Um, but... Um, you know, look, it was it was amazing and and just a a great day. We were we were very proud of Paisley. How much more intense is the thrill because of the little blip and the journey that he's been on through the last year? Um, I think it's uh, it, look, it is it is such a relief as much as anything to to know that. Um, it hasn't affected his confidence and it hasn't in any way uh, interrupted his, well, hopefully his progression. Um, and I think, um, as you say, what the journey he's taken us on, the um, uh, the way he runs, the enjoyment he gives to so many people, it was, um, and you know, for Andrew, um, the journey that it's really given him, it, 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 it's, just, it's just fantastic that he's still here and doing his stuff. Yeah, and there was a you know, there was a lovely moment where Andrew came down to greet the horse yesterday, and uh, the, the horse sort of looked as though you know, the race almost hadn't taken as much out of him as you might have have anticipated. I mean, how is he this morning? Absolutely great. I'm so sad that we haven't got the connection because <laughs> he's standing out in the middle of the yard with his Porsche sheet on, um, ears pricked as ever, uh, and and he was just great. I mean, he came back last night. He could not get into his food fast enough um, and, um, and trotted out you know, as fresh as you like this morning. So, you know, he's, um, he's, he's a bull of a horse. When you look at him walking around the paddock now, he's, he's a, strong, um, a strong and more mature horse and, and clearly is taking his racing better. 
And there was just that moment, you know, you th- as I said, you, you thought he'd, he'd really had to dig into his reserves, and maybe he had, but there was just that shot, the reverse angle there, that ITV inside camera, of as he passed the post, his ears pricked straight away. And you just Absolutely. thought, hang on a minute, has this horse got something left? He is amazing. He is amazing. And he just, you know, Barry said going into this race, riding him, that, that he just felt great, that he felt strong, that, that you, you know, that he would just gallop away all day. And, and he was dead right. You know, that's exactly what he did. And, um, you know, I think he's, in fairness, he should be starting to reach maturity now. And, and I think that's what he's doing. And I think hopefully he's just getting better. Aidan's on the line with us as well. Hi, Aidan. Well done. Good morning, everybody. All right. Oh, fantastic. I mean, that was, a, that was a race to lift the soul. I think it's probably going to be the, the race of the jump season, whatever happens from now on in. Um, and you pulled up and you were giving your interview afterwards and I was watching and you said to, you said to Matt Chapman, it's a terrible ride, but um, you've had a night to sleep on it. Have you, have you watched it back a few times? Uh, I watched it back once. Um, maybe terrible might have been a bit extreme, but I, I, my, my thought process was from three out to turning in, I thought Tom O'Brien was going to come back and uh, so I just get, you know, I just kind of hedged my bets and kind of had kind of two positions taken up. And um, when it kind of came to light that Tom was actually going to keep his position for a bit longer, um, Harry had already obviously done what, what he should have done and put himself in one of the positions I kind of was kind of reserving for myself. And so, so me trying to kind of, um, you know, think ahead. It actually backfired, not massively because we didn't get beat, but it did backfire. And all of a sudden, I had to go to Plan B, uh, which was come around them, which wouldn't have been the end of the world. Only I just had to take him back to do that. It would have been a lot more streamlined if I just originally stuck to that plan from uh, before turning in. And I, I, I had you down as, as beaten, as, as I'm sure many people did, sort of between three out and two out. And then between two out and the last, you just looked and thought, oh, he's he's starting to roll a bit, but. At what, at what point did you think I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get there? Uh, going to the last, I thought I had a right chance, and I was just kind of nearly. Um, so did, going to the last, when I pulled him out the two out, when he'd usually kind of get going, he was on his own and he wasn't competitive, and he didn't actually get going until he got a bit closer to them going to the last. And then I knew because people keep saying he's slow and he's stamina, but his his sectionals and his speed he shows late on in the race is is he's very, he's he's not a slow horse. He's actually a very fast horse. And when I when I was within striking distance going to the last, I knew he would take off after the last. So I was just what I was praying then is would have been a, a disaster if um, he was beaten a short distance because uh, it would have been one left behind. <laughs> I know, I know, um, I know that yesterday's race was sponsored by a different car manufacturer. But the way you're describing him, it almost sounds like he's not a he's not a sort of flashy sports car. But he's like, but he's like a sort of sort of big luxury Bentley or something, but with a real massive turbo engine. They're not slow. They're still far. They're still fast conveyances. No, he's not slow, and, and, and yeah, exactly. And like Simon Rollins, he's always very interesting. You know, he always puts up the sectionals after races. Um, you know, the, the races like that. You know, the start of every week. And I think this this week's one will be will be good to see like how fast he does cover um, ground late on in his race, especially on that kind of ground as well. And I think hopefully people might buy into the fact that he's he's actually a very fast horse. Uh, Emma, I think is, I hope is still there. Emma, are you still there? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still here. It's, it's really interesting listening to what Aidan was saying there. I mean, w- were you thinking much the same thing watching on as he was feeling riding the horse? Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, you're just watching him and thinking, um, it, clearly watching him sort of turning into the straight, you're thinking, oh, that's not what we needed at that stage. 
but you know that he um, that that he's going to keep galloping, that he's going to keep lengthening. And um, you know, it's interesting what Aidan was saying there about saying he's not a slow horse. Aidan came in and schooled him the other morning um, at home, and we had a couple of nice horses schooling with him. And it's extraordinary to watch. You know, they they were two and a half milers. They were flat out trying to keep up with him, and he was still just cantering along with his ears prick jumping. So he's he's kind of that it's like latent speed that's there when you need it, um, but you just know with Paisley he won't give up. Um, you know that was the thing about Cheltenham. You knew something was wrong because he would never give up like that under normal circumstances. Um, and so you know the race is never over until until they've crossed the line for him. And you know God, he, he did look like he needed to sprout wings, but he was he was always there with Aiden all the way to the line. Uh, Aidan, there was there was quite a bit made yesterday of Richard Johnson's exclamation as you as you passed the post. I mean, c- could could you could you hear him as you as you ran by him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's the worst way to lose a race, um, you know, on the line, especially because you don't know how the race has unfolded in behind. And he wasn't to know that I had met trouble in running and anything like that. But look, look Dickie's the best. He came up to me afterwards. You know, his magnanimous in defeat as as, you, as you'd expect a man of his ilk to be. Um, it's just, it's just it's just a terrible way to lose a race when you have it there and it's taken away from you that late on. Um, that's why I prefer these days to kind of follow and kind of get their late my riding. I'd rather be up there and get mugged because it honestly it is the worst feeling in the world and and you know unless you've kind of unless it's happened to you it's it's, it's very hard to describe how gut wrenching that feeling is um, as a jockey because you see the line you're willing for it to come and then all of a sudden something gets there just before you when you've done everything it's 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 oh it's horrific i could it's horrific feeling it's horrific <laughs> luck on sunday proudly sponsored by albasti at cruel dubai i am going to bring in my final guest for this morning, a man who's enjoyed a huge amount of success as a racehorse owner, not just as a racehorse owner, but an owner of some of the finest show jumpers in the land, uh, Mr. John Hales. John is joining us live from his home now. John, good morning. Yes, I'm here. Ah, oh, great. We've got you. We've got you now. Fantastic. And, and most importantly, how are you? Uh, it's a difficult time for everybody at the moment, but, but how, how are you doing and how are your family doing? Uh, everybody's fine. That's that's great to hear. Uh, we talked a few moments ago to Emma Lavelle about yesterday's brilliant victory of Paisley Park and the fabulous images of, of of his owner greeting him after after the race. I don't think anything there will beat the images of you and Politolog after the after the Tingle Creek. Just tell me why that why that day was was so special for you a couple of weeks ago. Well, it, it was very special because. Uh, a, a year ago, he, he he ran a poor race in the Tingle Creek, and uh, and Paul identified that he that he bled, and uh, he put that right. And uh, twelve months later, uh, he's not over, he's not only overcome that problem, but I'm I can swear that Paul's improved him by ten percent. So um, it was very important to us. We, we thought we'd be taking on Altior, but that wasn't to be. And uh, we got close to Altior two years ago in uh, Cheltenham. But he's a truly Altior is a truly great horse, 
and it would be nice to have another crack at him. John, tell me about your, your relationship with the, with the Skelton family and why it's very important to you that, that, that Harry Skelton maintains his, his partnership with the horse. Well, we, we go back a long way, particularly with Nick. Uh, Nick rode um, our show jumper, Arco, and, and he represented Great Britain in the Athens Olympics. Um, so we always had a very close association. And I remember going over to Nick's um, when Harry was on a little grey pony. And uh, I don't think he ever walked this pony. Trotty Lockhampton. I think he was straight gallop. <laughs> and when I, saw, when I saw Harry for the first time, I thought to myself, Nick, you ain't done a very good job here. And uh, it's quite clear that Harry was always going to be a race jockey. Even when he was near to a grasshopper, he used to practice changing his whip. And uh, I'm very pleased for him. John, you're a man who's had so many good horses down the years, from, from one man through a Zertiop and the great Neptune Collage and Alpha off. You've got an exciting young horse now in, in Protectorat as well as, as well as, as, well as Politolog. You've put an awful lot into the game. Um, what is it about it still that gives you the, the most satisfaction? What is it about owning racehorses that you, that you enjoy that gives you a buzz? It's the thrill of, the, of, it, it, of, of just watching them giving you 110%. I think the finest sight is coming round the bottom bend at Cheltenham and then coming up the hill. I mean, that to me is sheer magic. And I talked about one man, and the Cheltenham Hill for him, of course, was his, his nemesis until, you, until you, you dropped him in trip. Can you take me back to that moment when he did finally come up the Cheltenham Hill, given the fact that you've evoked the, the almost sort of spiritual nature of a horse rounding the bend at, at Cheltenham and winning? Can you tell me what it meant to you when he, 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 he put that hoodoo to, to rest and, 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 came, and came home to win that day under Brian Harding? Well, he finally became a champion, which he so thoroughly deserved. I mean, he was favourite for the 2000. 2008, no, not eight, uh, but, but the first time he was favoured for the Gold Cup and he literally collapsed coming over the last fence. I mean, he was totally gone, he was totally exhausted. He'd come out six weeks later and give you up and give you 110% all over again. That's what I think the people, why the people loved him. Uh, he had so much support. Uh, through some of the failures as he had through the successes. And um, he was a, a sort of a horse that um, really sparked the imagination. A truly great racehorse. I remember when we bought him on the 10th of May 1993, and it was a W.A. Stevenson dispersal sale. Dispersed. Yeah, and um, I, I remember having a cup of tea, uh, a, a little tent they got rigged up there, 
and a guy came up to me, he said, uh, he said, oh, you've been looking at lot number 111. He said, I want you to know that if you buy him, I promise you I'll win his first five races. And I said, well, who are you? And it was Neil Doughty. <laughs> Neil Doughty. And, and he did. He won his first five races. He, but not the sixth one. He was an exceptional racehorse. And you've been, as I say, lucky enough to have, have great racehorses since then. And you've told us you know, why you, you feel it so deeply and why you, you still feel the, the sport so deeply. John, I'll put no finer point upon it. You, you very nearly left us last year. Um, you nearly died. You said the other day that many people in your position uh, wouldn't have been fortunate enough to, to survive. Um, how much has being involved in horses and racing helped your recovery? It, it drove me on, really. Um, and when uh, Love won the Queen Mother, uh, for me, that was so emotional. So I wasn't supposed to be there, but I did make it one way or another. Um, and Politilog saw the horse you, you've got to look forward to because... He gives, he gives you so much. And these are lovely pictures of you walking him into the, into the winner's enclosure on a gloriously sunny day at Cheltenham. Gosh, how long ago that, that seems now. Um, just as, as, far as, as far as this horse is concerned, Paul, Paul Nichols has said he goes to, to Ascot to the, to the Clarence House chase next. Um, you said the, the trainer had, had really turned him around in the, in the last year. You've had horses with a number of great trainers. Do you think? Do you think Nichols is the best? Well, yes, I'd have to say that. I mean, we've we've won eight times at the festival with horses trained by Paul, and he has a gift for getting horses right on the day. Happy Christmas to all of you, and thank you for your support during the course. Of, of this year. We won't be here next week because that'll be December the 27th. I will be at Kempton reporting for you there on the second day of their Ladbrokes Christmas Festival. Um, and then the following week, we've got a, a Best of Luck on Sunday programme as well. While this studio is completely refitted, it's going to be brand spanking. You will have a temporary home for a little while, but hopefully we will take you with us. Thank you so much for watching. Do have, wherever you are, a very happy Christmas. Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti at Cruel, Dubai.